This audio is brought to you by Muslim Central. Please consider donating to help cover our running costs and future projects by visiting www.muslimcentral.com forward slash donate. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. A'udhu billahi minash shaitanir rajeem. فاستجاب له ربه فصرف عنه كيدهن إنه هو السميع العليم ثم بدا لهم من بعد ما رأوا الآيات ليسجننه حتى حين رب اشرح لي صدري ويسر لي أمري وأحلل عقدة من لساني يفقه قولي فالحمد لله والصلاة والسلام على رسول الله وعلى آله وصحبه أجمعين أما بعد Once again everybody السلام عليكم ورحمة الله وبركاته Today I try to cover some lessons from ayahs 34 and 35 of Surah Yusuf uh, The response that he had to Allah Azza wa Jal was discussed yesterday where he turned to Allah and said prison is more beloved to me and went further than that This is the ayah where Allah now responds to him So we start from there فَاسْتَجَابَ لَهُ رَبُّهُ Then his master responded to him. فَصَرَفَ عَنْهُ كَيْدَهُنَّ Thus he turned their scheme away, those women's scheme away from him. إِنَّهُ هُوَ السَّمِيعُ الْعَلِيمُ Certainly he is the all-hearing, all-knowing. So that's the basic translation of uh, this ayah, ayah number 34. Uh, so now in this ayah, a few things. In the previous ayah he said, If you don't turn their scheme away from me, إِلَّا تَصْرِفْ عَنِّي كَيْدَهُنَّ the immediate response to that would be, فَصَرَفَ عَنْهُ So he turned their scheme away from him. He asked, Allah responded. But Allah adds, before he says, فَصَرَفَ عَنْهُ كَيْدَهُنَّ He says, فَاسْتَجَابَ لَهُ رَبُّهُ فَاسْتَجَابَ لَهُ رَبُّهُ It's a, from, a, from a literary point of view, it's a little bit of a contrast with what happens with Musa salam. Musa salam is in a desperate situation. He's you know, basically dying of starvation and has nowhere to live, no shelter or anything. And he basically sits under a shade somewhere in the desert in Madian and says, Rabbi inni lima anzalta ilayya min khayrin faqeer. Master, whatever good you send to me, I could totally use it. My back is broken. I'm bankrupt. Yeah. But the next ayah, Allah does not say, فَاسْتَجَابَ لَهُ رَبُّهُ فَجَاءَتْ إِحْدَاهُمَا تَمْشِي عَلَى اسْتِحْيَا then his master responded to him and thus a girl came to him walking over to him shyly offering him that my dad wants to pay you. The next ayah does not say his master responded to him but it's actually understood by the words Therefore, one of the two girls came back and asked, you know, asked him shyly that my, ba- my father is calling you to pay you. In other words, the f- if Allah responds, you ask Allah for something and then it's responded to, the words he responded or his master responded become kind of unnecessary, it feels. Why would that even be said if it's already understood? This is Allah's way of going out of his way to illustrate something. That it is because he demonstrated this loyalty to Allah that Allah immediately responded to, to his master responded to him. Now, Istijaba, I mentioned this to you at the end of the lecture yesterday. One of the most beautiful passages in the Qur'an, for example, Surah Ali Imran, 190-195, that was revealed to the Prophet ﷺ when he was in Qiyam. Uh, and he was so moved by that passage, he cried so much when he heard this passage ﷺ, when it was being revealed to him, there was a puddle on his feet. 
and that passage, its climax is فَاسْتَجَابَ لَهُمْ رَبُّهُمْ أَنِّي لَا أُضِّعُ عَمَلَ عَامِلٍ مِّنْكُمْ مِنْ ذَكَرِنَ أُنْتَ Then their master responded to them, same exact words. So these words are actually very powerful in the Qur'an. And Allah by mentioning these words here, has described something very beautiful, that he didn't just respond to Yusuf because the response to Yusuf is, he, he took their scheme away from them, or he diverted their scheme away from them. But here Allah is telling us that it's this act of dua that Allah Azza wa lovingly turned towards him and responded to him. And istijaba has in it mubalagha, which means Allah went out of his way to respond to him. Oh, subhanahu wa ta'ala, istijaba has want in it that Allah wanted to respond to him, the desire to respond to him. So there's a lovingness in the word istijaba that's there. Then there's the word rabbuhu, because uh, he, he said, Rabbi, my master. Prison is more beloved to me. And Allah didn't say, then I responded. Or he responded. The, the pronoun would have sufficed. Because nobody that would read this would think anybody else responded except Allah. The, Allah is the aforementioned you know, masculine noun in the, in the language. Not male, masculine. Grammatically masculine. So fastajaba would have done. But no, fastajaba lahu rabbuhu. To him his master responded. And then the other remarkable thing here is, فَاسْتَجَابَ رَبُّهُ لَهُ Actually, grammatically, you mentioned the verb, you mentioned the subject, and you mentioned the prepositional phrase. In other words, the jar majroor, the muta'alliq bil-fi'il is muqaddam, meaning especially to him. And, in, and to, him, to him in this way, his master responded, there's a special place given to Yusuf salam that even before the mention of the subject, which is the rabb, meaning his master responded, it is as if to him his master responded. The to him came early, instead of just saying, his master responded to him. And so, what we're learning in all of that is the power of dua. You know, Allah says to us in Surah Al-Baqarah, Ujibu da'wat al-da'i idha da'an fal li. I respond to the call of any caller whenever they call me. Then they should respond to me. Here, you know, Yusuf has proven to Allah that he's already responded to Allah. His response to Allah was holding on to his character. His response to Allah was ma'adhullah. So he's already responded to Allah's demands. Now Allah will respond to his plea. And his plea is, Ya Allah, get me away from these people. If prison is the option, then prison is more beloved to me. I'll, I'll, I'd rather take prison. And if you don't take their scheme away from me, which is his way of saying, Ya Allah, take their scheme away from me. I don't want their scheme anywhere around me. So that portion is now being explained, فَصَرَفَ عَنْهُ كَيْدَهُنَّ Thus, he, he warded their scheme away from him. Now Allah has responded to both parts. Prison being more beloved and the kaid. Now, you know, in, in Allah saying that He responded to him, there are two things. I'd rather take prison, and Allah gave him that. And He got rid of their scheme. Now it's possible that He could be in jail and their scheme doesn't end. That can also happen. Because when people have a vendetta, they won't leave you alone even when you're suffering. Right? They can do that. And they have the power to continue to torture you or hurt you in other ways, even though you're in prison. But Allah says that He diverted them away from Him. But the other interesting thing is, part of what's responded to also is he, he preferred to go to prison if the, option, the other option is to, to fall into the hands of fitna. And Allah responded to that too. And even in that, there's a mercy from Allah. Meaning Allah is responding to him in something that will be more beloved to him. Because what he's going to get to do in prison, he didn't get to do when he was in the minister's house. In fact, we don't hear Yusuf salam speak at length in this surah except when he's in prison. So in the entire story, you hear Yusuf say, like, 
She, you know, it's the whole story. The whole story is about Yusuf alayhi salam. But go do an exhaustive study of how often is he speaking and how long is he speaking, right? And the Quran is not capturing those moments. But there's there's a moment in prison, and he's in prison many years. But there's a moment in prison where he has a conversation with a couple of inmates about Allah and about prophethood and about the truth, and that conversation almost in its, pretty much in its entirety is respond, is recorded in the surah. It's pretty amazing. And that's actually Allah giving him an opportunity to serve him in a special, in such a special way that that conversation, it could have been so much more brief because there are other episodes of his life that are pretty exhaustive, but they're mentioned in very brief language, right? Entire years are captured inside one or two lines. But when it comes to this one incident, there's a lot of conversation here. And this is actually also in a very beautiful way Allah responding to his dua, what is more beloved to him? Because when judgment day comes, and Yusuf is standing before Allah like all of us are, and he gets to see that that conversation that he had in prison was so honored by Allah, that Allah put that in his Qur'an. And then billions of people for generations to come recited those words and remembered Allah through his words, not just two prison inmates. A conversation that nobody else recorded, just it happened in a jail cell between three people. And yet that conversation is going to have this special blessing, and this, this remarkable you know, continued sadaqah of da'wah. How do you make da'wah to people? How do you invite them to the deen? You know, the, the Qur'an will give da'wah and sometimes, or invite people to Allah, and sometimes he'll give us a case study. This is how you invite people to Allah. Obviously, Inmates in a prison are not interested in having a religious conversation with him. They have their own agenda. And yet he finds a way to you know, bring them closer to Allah in this unusual circumstance, right? And so that's also Allah responding to him. In other words, him being in that prison, we're grateful for. Because we get to learn the wisdom that Allah decided should be part of his final word, only because Allah responded to that. The point, therefore, is sometimes Allah will put you through an experience you may not see that you are the primary beneficiary. Not in this world. But maybe Allah puts you through an experience that will benefit someone, who will benefit someone else, who will benefit someone else, who will benefit someone else, and you don't even realize that all of that is going into your account, and that never would have happened if you weren't put in a difficult position. So sometimes a difficult position is inconvenient, is painful, is catastrophic, it could be traumatic, it could be all of those things for you and me. But in the grand scheme of things, when we come before Allah we might be surprised that the best thing that ever happened to us in our life was that traumatic situation. Like the best thing that could have happened to us. Because the good deeds that got recorded in our favor as a result of that opportunity just keep on compounding and compounding and compounding. I'm getting ahead of myself, but there are, these are things that I'm going to reiterate to you anyway. So I'll tell you even now, had he not gone to prison, he would never have met those two inmates. Had he not met those two inmates, one of them would have never known that he can interpret dreams. Had that inmate never known that he can interpret dreams, when he got out and was serving the king, and the king saw a crazy dream, he would never have thought that the king actually, this dream could, might mean something, and I might know someone who knows what this dream means. None of these chain of events would have happened, yes? Therefore, the, the king's dream, all the experts that were around him, what did they tell him about that dream? That it's meaningless. You know that so, and this servant is in no position. He just pours drinks. What's he? Gonna, he can't give his counsel to the dream to the, to the king, and say, yeah, 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 it's meaningless. 
But he, as a result of Yusuf being in prison, goes back to Yusuf, knows that Yusuf can interpret dreams, comes to him with that information, gets Yusuf exonerated, but more importantly, not just to the benefit of Yusuf Yusuf coming out of prison benefits Yusuf less, benefits hundreds of thousands of people that would have starved to death over the next seven years more. Many lives got saved because he went to jail. And none of that would have happened if he didn't go to jail. And would someone not want, you know, we, you and I fear all the time that whatever good deeds we do may not be enough in the scale before Allah because we do plenty of bad deeds we're aware of and we're not aware of. So how are we ever going to know our good deeds are good enough? So our religion has this beautiful concept of sadaqa jariya, as this concept of good deeds that continue after even we die, right? They if, or good deeds that affect more than ourselves, which is why it's a beautiful sunnah of the Prophet ﷺ to do something like plant a seed, plant a tree. Why? You may not live to see the tree turn into a, you know, a blossoming tree with fruits, but every animal that eats from it, every traveler that gets a shade under it, every, every creature of Allah that gets some rizq out of it, you have a share in the good that you spread just because you planted a tree. So the idea is that you, you, you and I have to think about deeds that live longer than ourselves that go beyond our own lifetime. That, that's actually our legacy, the legacy of good deeds being passed on to the next, to the next, to the next. Now, that's the legacy you and I should be thinking about. And that's something Allah gave Yusuf an opportunity to do in the most unlikely place, inside a prison cell. You would think somebody should have an opportunity to leave a profound legacy if they got to preach to thousands of people, if they got to, you know, if they got to write books, if, they, if he got to make da'wah to the entire nation, all of that stuff. No, actually it starts right here. And his first legacy is he actually got to save lives. He literally got to save lives. And what does Allah say about the reward of saving lives? Whoever saves a single life, it's like they saved all of humanity. Imagine the reward of saving all of humanity multiple times over. Is the reward of Yusuf salam. So you've, you've lost something in your, in, your di, in your dunya, you've lost the freedom of movement, you've lost you know, the place you had in the world, whatever place he had, it's gone. But he's gained something in his akhirah that's unparalleled. And actually in a few years, it will also turn into a return in this dunya. It, it's, it's, it's both, it's deen and dunya that's coming his way. And that's, all of that is encapsulated inside فَاسْتَجَابَ لَهُ رَبُّهُ his nurturing master responded to him. That's Allah's response. And, but in the most immediate sense, so that response includes everything that's going to happen from here on, but in the most immediate sense, فَصَرَفَ عَنْهُ كَيْدَهُنَّ He turned their scheme away from them. This is where we're going to pay attention, because this is the complicated part. Allah says, He turned their scheme away from them. Now, the thing here is, the minister's wife made it very clear one of two things are absolutely going to happen. Either he's going to cave and be domesticated like an animal, like I want him to be, or he's going to go to prison. Those are the two options she swore by, yes? Okay. And Allah will tell us that he turned their scheme away from him, which we know means, where did he end up? In prison. But hold on. Him, want, him going to prison was not actually his choice, it was the only possible choice, but actually whose decision was it that he should go to prison? As If you follow the line of the story, it's the woman's decision. She's decided that he should go to jail. 
She's determined to make him humiliated in jail, right? That's her, her plan. And now instead of Allah saying that Allah responded to him and, and allowed the woman to put him in jail, he says he, put their, he diverted their scheme away from them. But it seems what Allah is saying is the opposite of what we see because what we see is exactly what they schemed happened. What she schemed was he's going to go to jail if he doesn't listen. And there, that's where he's going to end up. So what we're now seeing is a kind of weird contradiction. Someone who is trying to hurt someone good is followed through on their plan and got him jailed. And Allah is saying at the same time, it's the opposite of what she planned. So Allah is saying, I put him in jail as, the, as turning, uh, turning him away from their scheme. Right? And their scheme includes one, to their, the fitna. But the other part of their scheme is to actually get him thrown in jail. And yet Allah Azza wa Jal is telling us that sometimes the plans that are made against a believer, the harm that is caused to a believer from, the, from visible eyes, may actually be in line with Allah's plan to do some good to that believer. The enemy thinks they succeeded because they executed their plan. But they don't know that their plan is this little, this little, and Allah's plan is this much larger thing that's got it entirely enveloped, and theirs is just a small piece in a much larger plan. Yet this small piece went their way, this battle they won, and they think they won the war. Right? But they don't realize that they are actually, this plan was part of a, that they themselves are a very small pawn in a much larger chessboard in which Allah has everybody mated. Everybody's checkmated. Everybody's, that's part of Allah's larger plan. So what they think is an advantage to them, Allah is describing actually it was working exactly against them. He deviated their plan away from them. In the most immediate sense, of course, it means that their scheme to want him to, to disobey Allah, to fall into temptation, to give into their temptations, he took him out of that situation entirely. Now, he says, Certainly, he is the all-hearing, all-knowing. Beautiful combination of names of Allah. The all-hearing, all-knowing. The obvious meaning of all-hearing is anybody who makes dua, who knows it, who hears it, Allah hears it. But see, just because you can hear everything doesn't mean you know everything behind those words. Right? You can say some words and sometimes people are at a loss of words and Allah can hear them too. Sometimes people just say something in their heart and Allah can hear that too. That's beyond hearing, that's actually knowing. Allah isn't just the, the one who hears, He also is the one who knows. And He also, so in one sense, Allah didn't just hear the words of, of Yusuf salam. He heard the he knew the beautiful intention behind them. He knew what's in his heart. He's not just hearing what people say. He knows what's in their hearts too. That's a scary reality that Allah is a Sami'ul Alim. Because when we pray and we say Alhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen Ar-Rahman Ar-Rahim Maliki Yawmiddin and while we're saying that in our in our head we're spinning about, man, she didn't cook what I wanted her to. Man, I don't like this. I don't know what's happening. I don't like the weather today. Man, you're complaining, complaining, complaining. But your words are, Alhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen. The words are saying what the heart isn't feeling. Allah is hearing your words and Allah also knows what's going on in your heart. Allah is As-Sami' Al-Aleem. So our hearts have to be in line with our words. Right? They, they, have to, they have to combine together. So that's one of the benefits of hearing إِنَّهُ هُوَ السَّمِيعُ الْعَلِيمُ The other meaning of it also that applicable in this ayah is that Allah Azza wa Jal knew 
everything that was said and everything contrary to that which what was heard that was being said outside. Because there will be another spin about Yusuf There will be some other way of getting him thrown into jail. Right? Because the first attempt didn't work. So this is going to be some other justification to put him in jail. And that's going to come too. But Allah knows and He's heard the actual testimony. He also knows what's coming in the future. They can hear whatever, they can come up with whatever schemes. Allah will hear all of their schemes. He knows about all of their schemes. And above and beyond that, He knows what's coming down the road. The kind of relief and the kind of, you know, uh, uh, really the kind of redemption that Yusuf is going to experience. One thought that Sheikh Suhib and I are going to explore a little further is this is the second time Yusuf is ending up in a dark place. Yeah? So first time he ended up inside of a well. Now he's ending up in a dark cell in prison. Yeah? And the first time, this is worse than the first time. This is actually worse than the first time. And the first time he comes out, Allah gives him relief by providing him a new home and eventually giving him some sense of security where he is for some time until he falls into you know, this, this, this scandal and this fitna again. This time, he's putting him in a much more difficult situation. Prison is a lot scarier. And he's going to come out of this much more redeemed. So the harder situation is going to give him a, a more beautiful reward when he comes out of it. Right? So it's inna ma'al usri yusra. With difficulty comes ease. So with each difficulty, some ease. With a greater difficulty, a greater ease is coming. You know, one thought, by the way, on that note that I didn't share with you that, that some of us students have mentioned and I completely failed to share with you is maybe it goes to the advantage of, of the minister himself, but as you'll see, the minister is not really off the hook yet, at least as far as what I can understand of him. One of the reasons Yusuf may not have mentioned where he's from or wanting to go back home is because he already knows his brother's attempted murder. And if throwing him in a well failed and he showed up again, guess what they're going to do next? Well, the next thing might be just straight out killing him. Just doing that. So that may have been one of the reasons he didn't mention himself going back. But that's digressing from a previous episode of the story. Now we get to this part where Allah has mentioned his interjection. This is another thing that as a theme we should keep an eye on. So every time Yusuf ends up in a really bad situation, Allah mentions something about himself. Allah mentions his intervention. So as he was being thrown in the well, Allah said, You will be telling them this deed of theirs. You'll be telling them all about this thing that they did to you. And they'll have no idea at the moment. Right? So bad things are happening to him, and who's intervening? Allah Azza wa Jal. Now bad things are happening to him. And who just said his master responded to him and deviated their course away from him? He's the all-hearing, Allah's intervention. So there seems to be a theme. Every time you think, where's Allah in all of this? I'm, I'm getting in trouble here. I'm getting thrown in a well. I'm going to get thrown into jail. And when bad things happen to people, they're like, where was Allah when I needed Him? And you notice, every time you might ask that question about Yusuf salam's story, Allah mentions His presence. Allah says, He responded, He revealed, He told. You know, and He's all hearing, all knowing. It's incredible that that intervention is mentioned at just the right spots. You know, so that's that's the other thing to notice here about this this scheme. Now we get to the political ayah, number thirty-five. Listen to this. Thumma badalahum. Then it appeared to them. You can also say then it occurred to them. Then it all of a sudden a light bulb went in their heads, and it occurred to them. Min ba'di ma ra'aul ayat. 
as you know, as soon as they looked at all the signs, they is not women now. It's the masculine plural, so it's men and women together, or just men. Okay. So it occurred to them after they looked at all the signs, لَيَسْجُنُنَّهُ حَتَّحِينَ that they should absolutely, they are absolutely going to put him in prison without a shadow of a doubt. There's no question about it. He should be put in jail until a given time, until at least for some time. حَتَّحِينَ Now, what does that ayah tell you? It's ambiguous wording, but it's pretty remarkable stuff. First of all, the previous case where she said, what should happen to him unless the only thing that should happen to a person like this who wants to do harm to your family is he should be thrown into jail when she was crying and wailing. Remember that? But that failed. But now, this is much bigger than just her. And he saw, I tried to depict to you that he saw this as a political disaster. But now, other servants have seen. These women have cut their hands. All of their husbands are like, what, what happened here? And some of them may have blurted it out. Some of them may have said what happened. And it's now, this is not just a scandal for one, this is a scandal for many. And anybody leaking, the, if, the, if all of it points back to one young man, Yusuf, then him being interviewed or seen, anything about him coming out is going to look really bad, not just for, for the Al-Aziz, not just for his wife, for all these elite people. So there's a plural here, ra'aw. It appeared to all of them after they saw all the signs. Now what are all the signs? The blood splatter, the mess, the servants talking, the word getting out. By the way, if the word got out the first time, which was only in a hallway with a few people, you think the word didn't get out this time? Right, that can be understood that the word's gotten out and it's looking bad. It's, it's looking pretty bad. Some of us have looked at the word, the al-ayat here. Al-ayat usually means revelations. Al-ayat also means signs. Yeah? So what are the signs? Some say that here, the Mufassirun say the signs refers to signs that Yusuf is innocent. Signs that they did all of this. There's enough evidence to say Yusuf... By, by the way, if Yusuf was exonerated the first time with all the shirt story, it's practically impossible to think that he would put himself in that situation on purpose in front of so many witnesses and he'd be, he'd be the culprit. There's no way that happened. So when, they, when anybody would sense, observed all the signs and what's been, what's been said, they knew the public's not going to buy it, they're going to think Yusuf is innocent. The problem is, Yusuf is innocent is not a problem. Because it's not so much about him being innocent, the moment you say he's innocent, who looks guilty? Very wealthy people, very high, high political elite people and their families look guilty. So his innocence is pretty expensive now. His innocence might cost them financially and politically. And all the signs point to his innocence. So one way of looking at the signs is, the signs of his innocence are actually a problem. And anybody who observes these signs are going to come to the same conclusion we have, that he's innocent. Which means they're going to come to the conclusion that we're messed up. Which means we're going to be humiliated publicly. And these women know all about public humiliation, they're experts at it, as we can tell. So they're scared of what they do, because they don't want that coming their way, right? They, they, they want to dish it, they don't want to receive it. So that's one way of looking at al-ayat. I don't think that the second suggestion is as primary, but I do think it's very plausible in this ayah, that ayat also means politicians don't just look at what's in front of them, they look at, you know, signs are signs of what's to come. In a spiritual sense, even signs are used for, give me a sign for what is to come, an assurance for what is to come. Rabbi ali ayah. Right? Zakaria was told, you're going to have a child. He said, Master, give me a, an ayah. An ayah about what is to come. Yeah? 
uh, one way of looking at, not the only way, but one way of looking at the nine signs of Musa السلام, are signs of what is the ultimate punishment to come to them. We will make them taste smaller punishments before we make them taste the biggest punishment. So, for example, Badr and Uhud should have been ayat for the Quraysh of Fath Makkah. It's coming. These are signs that it's coming. So, in that sense, now that's in a spiritual sense. Here, obviously, the, the word ayat is not being used in the spiritual sense. These people aren't spiritual. They're not looking at spiritual ayat. They're looking at clues and evidences and signs. The signs are, if we let Yusuf kind of roam about and not hush this in a very serious way, this is going to come back to bite all of us. This is going to become a big political liability. So remember that, that three-layer emphasis that she made on throwing him in jail? Now you've got, They, plural, they all are going to absolutely, absolutely, absolutely throw him in jail. Like it's really emphatic language, not just maybe we should throw him in jail. No, they discussed it, they observed all the signs, listen, there's no way, he's got to go to jail. Nope, nope, I don't want to hear it, he needs to be in jail, that's the only thing that's going to happen now. He needs to disappear. And you can imagine, actually, he's finding himself in the same exact situation that he found himself with his brothers. His brothers had two options, he should disappear or he should be killed, right? And if these people are so hell-bent about seeing him go to jail, if he doesn't go to jail, what's one of them going to arrange for? For him to be killed. We're, get, we're finding ourselves in the same situation yet again, right? So he just needs to go away. He, he's too much of a headache for us. He can't be around. So now, what is in between here? How did they, you know, okay, one way of understanding why they decided that he should go to jail, I explained to you. Another is Imam Razi and others have kind of talked about a narrative and a dialogue that takes place between the minister and his wife. I don't know the authenticity of it, but it's good to share at least some, some elements of it. And that is that she basically came and told the minister, listen, I had guests come over and Yusuf humiliated me in front of everyone and told everyone that I tried to seduce him. Okay, and he's humiliated me in front of my guests. So now it's my word against his. Either you put him in jail so he doesn't get the chance to humiliate me any further or let me go out and talk let me go out and say whatever I'm going to say so that's the, the way he you know, posits it again I, I have an issue with the authenticity part of that how, how well we can verify because that's not in the Bible that's not anywhere else that in, in a traceable account but again it's an attempt to fill in that gap something happened between you know he said remove me from them put me in jail they couldn't, she couldn't just come to the minister and say by the way Last time you didn't put him in jail, this time put him in jail. What reason would he have to put him in jail if he knows he's innocent? And in this ayah, the ayat are already there. Meaning they've looked at all the signs. And the signs point to the fact that they're guilty and he's innocent. Which is actually why. Because he's innocent, he should go to jail. That's actually why he should go to jail. Which tells you something about corrupt politics and corrupt systems that have existed throughout the history of humanity, alhamdulillah, we're in 2020, so corrupt policies don't exist anymore. Corruption is a thing of the past because we're modernized and civilized human beings. So the idea 
that somebody would be thrown in jail because they have the truth with them or they may be barred from speaking or they are made to disappear because it might make some politician look bad or they may be fired from their post because they're speaking the truth and it doesn't jive with a certain administration so they should be silenced in some way or the other. That doesn't happen anymore, does it? Nah, I'm crazy. This is ancient history. This has nothing to do with now. The problem though was, even though they're going to put him in jail, they can't give him a trial. Why not? Because if you give him a trial, you're going to have to have testimony and evidence. And if you have testimony and evidence, you can only try to corrupt it so much, the public already knows what happened. Enough people know, somebody might leak something, this is going to get really bad. And by the way, if that happens, even if he is found guilty after a trial, the public shame that it will bring to the politicians is more than they can handle. Right? So, what's the other solution? I mean, if we're going to put him in jail, maybe we should put him in uh, you know, detention. So he's not imprisoned, he's just detained. And detained means that you can be in the same cell that a prison you know, sentence person is in, except they have a trial date, you don't, because you're just being what? Held. You're just being detained. That's the, it's a nicer word, but it's a much worse situation. And it, it's, because they actually have a hope of getting a trial date, you don't. Okay, so you're just being held, you know, detained for whatever, you know, national security. So what did they say to themselves? That they should throw him in jail and then you would imagine the minister would maybe have a problem with that. Listen, I know we should, he didn't do anything. And yeah, I, I see that we have to throw him in jail, but I did invest quite a bit in him. And I think maybe this relationship can be eventually salvaged. When this blows over, I'll let him out. I mean, he did have feelings for him to some extent. So the ayah ends until some time, until a time. At least for now, let this blow over and until then he should be detained. And obviously we shouldn't put it on the court schedule because we, we can't have that. So let's just put him in a cell, let's pay some guards to just keep him there without it being too official. And now he's in jail without being registered as a prisoner. So he can't even expect his trial to be heard. There's nobody coming after him and saying, hey, this is your court date, this is your crime. Because there is no crime. The crime is committed by them. And so they, they, they put him in this place, hattahin. Notice the parallel. This is the second time this is happening to him. The first time when his brothers threw him in a well, what did they say to themselves? Somebody will get him. Remember? It's okay, it's not that bad. We're not putting him in there forever. He's not going to die. Some caravan will come get him. That's to ease your own conscience, isn't it? And now they're putting him in jail. And what do they say? For a while, hattahin. It's not like we're putting him forever. Obviously that wouldn't be fair. It's just for a little bit. But you know what happens with a little bit? After a little bit, you realize, well, it's been a month. If we let him out now, the fellow servants and other people he knows in the, you know, in the circle or whoever will say, so why were you in jail? What happened? And he'll say, I, I don't actually know. Nobody told me what I committed. He could say that, even that much will turn everything upside down. So maybe we need to wait a couple more months. A couple more months become a couple more years. Because, and the longer you wait, you're like, well, you kept him in detention for three years, four years? Why? And if now he speaks, then the, what, what used to be a scandal about a cover-up is now a scandal also about unlawful detainment and you know, you know, jailing and misuse of the prison and all this other stuff might get piled up on them. So they're like, we can't have this headache. You know what? Let's just, I know this is hard. I know it's tough, but sacrifices have to be made as so long as they're not me. Right? That's how politicians think, right? Sacrifices must be made for the greater good. 
We must fight the, the greater fight. So long as we're not the ones fighting, you are. Right? When they talk about going into the battlefield or marching for war or whatever else, so long as it's your sons, not mine, well, then we're okay. <laughs> you know? Be brave and fight this disease and go out there. So long as I'm not the one going out there, so long as you're going out there, we're okay. That, that, that's fighting the good fight. So the idea being, they considered him a commodity that can be sacrificed. So it's basically, again, a repetition of something that happened to him before. Remember how he was just used as bid'a, just used as a commodity to sell, just something to use? Now even the one who bought him put him in jail as something to use to keep himself safe. It doesn't matter what he goes through. So, they'll put him in prison until a given time. We've reached the 35th ayah of the surah. And at this time, we are now concluding the scene that took place inside of the palace or this governor's mansion. The next scene is actually when he's inside prison. So before we go on to the next scene, we're going to continue with in keeping with our series. And I'm going to have a conversation with Sheikh Suhaib and uh, Saqib Saeed and Asakib Hussain rather, uh, and the three of us are going to have a conversation starting Monday about the corresponding passage that has to do with this incident in the Bible. So we're going to go through that verse by verse and do a comparative analysis so that you understand both sides of it, inshallah. I took some suggestions from you guys last time about summarizing our findings and putting them also up. So I'll, I'll take that into account this time also. Um, so I will not be continuing this series until we start that on Monday. So tomorrow, inshallah, last night of Ramadan for, for most of us, I think. So the last fast of Ramadan is tomorrow. Uh, so we're going to take a night off, have a you know, good weekend for Eid, inshallah ta'ala, and then Monday we'll resume. So with that, inshallah ta'ala, I conclude today's session. Barakallahu li wa lakum fil Qur'an al-Hakim wa nafa'ani wa iyaakum bil ayati wa dhikr al-Hakim. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.